Thank you for listening to these podcasts, which you can support at patreon.com forward slash Toby or ko-fi.com forward slash Toby But you don't have to, and are welcome anyway. But, you know, if you want to, do! Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positive Doctor Who episode commentary with me, Toby Haydoke. Welcome to this episode of Happy Times and Places, and I'm doing the intro in situ. I was going to have a little adipose by my side, uh, audio viewers, you can imagine one, but there isn't one here because I've actually been on the sofa for a bit and I've got a dog next to me and he seems so happy asleep that I don't want to disturb him. So just I thought, well, if I have an adipose, people think, you know, will go, oh, that's cute. And yeah, he's a proper fan. I I think if you don't know by now that I'm a proper fan, I'll never convince you. Um, so it's Partners in Crime and that has been nominated uh, by somebody who I think is the best of us and whose work during lockdown to bring Doctor Who fans together has been selfless and charmingly done and involved a lot of hard work. And in between all of that, she was one of the first people to respond to my request to contribute to this series. So uh, I'm going to have her... I'm, I'm going to watch live as she uh, tells us about herself and what she's chosen. Uh, uh, and so I'll experience it at the same time as you. A very big hello to Toby and to all of the Doctor Who fans and perhaps even some non-Doctor Who fans who have stumbled across this wonderful podcast. I'm Emily Cook and I work for Doctor Who magazine. I'm part of the editorial team there and I'm also a writer and interviewer for the magazine, which means in my job there's a lot of writing about Doctor Who, thinking about Doctor Who, talking about Doctor Who, things that I do best basically. Also fairly recently um, this year during lockdown I organised the Doctor Who lockdown tweet-alongs where fans around the world came together virtually online to revisit some of our favourite episodes, to watch them together and to talk about them. Not that we as fans need much excuse to do that but it was a, a wonderful collective activity to do um, and a bit of a distraction from all of the craziness that's been going on in the world recently. Now the episode that I have chosen is Partners in Crime, the series 4 opening episode from 2008 starring David Tennant as the Doctor and Catherine Tate as Donna Noble. Now, that is the episode I've chosen. Why have I chosen it? I mean it's always hard to pick a favourite episode of Doctor Who and I'm not even saying this is my favourite because it changes on a daily basis but it is always hard to single out one. Um, I do tend to really like the series openers, um, I also love Rose, that was one of my other choices for this, um, The Eleventh Hour, also really love that. Just any series opener that kind of kickstarts a series, especially if it's introducing or in this case reintroducing a companion, I just think series openers are very exciting and action packed and they, they kind of do what they, they need to do which is to pull in the audience and, and maybe pull in a new audience. But I particularly love Partners in Crime, mainly, gotta say it, for the Doctor and Donna. 
Um, their dynamic is incredible and I just think it's such a fun series opener and it is Russell T Davies at his best. So that is the episode that I've chosen and that is why I've chosen it. So that was Emily telling us that she likes season openers. I haven't seen this for ages and I haven't got lots of uh, well, I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm not going to say anything else until I press play because I've got 42 minutes to fill. Uh, so Partners in Crime is lined up. But I can now just go on to a thing called BBC iPlayer, even though I have it on disc as well. And Partners in Crime, press play in three, two, one, go. The iPlayer is loading it up. Oh. Now, that is very interesting what Emily... Oh, interesting alert. When I say that is interesting, <laughs> that means I'm I'm buying I'm buying myself a bit of time. Uh, oh, Alexa, volume three. Alexa, volume three. I didn't realise it was coming through Alexa. Uh, this one is so far technically the least competent of these podcasts and and I was here I was going I've got these licked how to do these now um Emily said she really likes season openers I always treat in my head and I know it's a totally me thing I always treat season openers like a sort of thing to be got through because I want to know what the series is going to be like and I always feel that the season opener is a bit like well we've got to establish everything and get you used to the show again and and you know maybe introduce a new companion and i'm i'm almost less interested in that than in the stories that new companion with this doctor are gonna tell uh, I, i'm always a bit down on the regulars and i don't know why because i love all the regular characters i love all the regular actors in doctor Who, but it was always for me it's more interesting when we we meet the people those regulars are gonna meet um so the introduction of the regulars is is less interesting i don't know why that is it's it's not something i actively act upon but it is something that's that's there in my head as a sort of block uh to the episode uh, and i actually missed this when it went out because it was this was at the height of doctor who being really really successful and that coincided with a glorious time for me because i think i had just done i'd done loose ends in the morning i think bbc radio show that and bernard cribbins was a guest uh and had i then done did i then do a sh a show at the west end in the afternoon i can't remember but i was I had a big day and it was in London and it was around the time of my my one-man show. Uh, and I got a train in the afternoon. So I think I maybe had done a matinee. I think we'd scheduled a matinee, but not an evening performance. So I'd gone, well, then I shall go home to Manchester in order to watch Doctor Who. And the train let me down. And I had to text my friend, John Cooper, uh, who's been a guest on this podcast to express my frustration and bless him he said well I will record it for you and I will bring it over uh, and he also he didn't watch it uh, so that uh, we could watch it 
together. I'm pretty certain that's what happened. Uh, so he rescued me because there's, there is a there is a communal experience to watching Doctor Who. And as a kid, Doctor Who had very much been my thing. So the fact that when you know with Doctor Who being being uh, now so big and everybody talked about it, those of us who were fans. Uh, you know, we sort of knew each other and we communicated and, and, and so the very experience of this wasn't just the watching of it, it was the fact that you had so many people to, or I had so many people to talk about it in a way that I never had uh, before. Uh, and uh, and it was that kindness of John that he sacrificed his, or he delayed his own enjoyment and made sure he came round that night and I didn't get in till about 10 and I think I'd, I was leaving London at sort of four something ridiculous uh and uh and he delayed his gratification in order that we could share it as a communal experience sarah lancashire i had a feeling would be good in doctor who because she was great in corrie she was well known as uh uh as 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 playing a character called raquel um and sometimes soap actors are quite similar to the characters they play whereas Sarah Lancashire was definitely a, a, a characterization. She had this very high pitched voice and hello curly and she was uh, uh and so then when she left Coronation Street and did other work, um uh, you know, you it was she was obviously a class actress who's good at character. So I had a feeling she'd be able and, and Coronation Street can stand a uh sort of characterful performances like that it's 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 very richly uh, uh acted a lot of its most memorable characters like eddie yates was jeffrey hughes from trial of a time lord and uh jack and vera duckworth some of those great hilda ogden some of those great great characters um are, are realistic and yet slightly larger than life uh which i think doctor who needs as well and i hadn't thought that i'd always been a bit disparaging of soap opera when i was younger partially because i wanted to defend doctor who and doctor who seemed like the opposite of soap opera uh uh but actually you can you can like both you can like question time and big brother and i think sometimes i've in the past in order to defend doctor who have done that by attacking other genres of program that are more popular and actually you can like both and i like I, uh and 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 uh, and actually there's more similarities than than one might think and i think sarah lancashire who can who can do a vivid characterization that is sort of hyper real and yet is is truthful so some of those big characterizations some of those great big characters in 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 curry like hilda ogden are again larger than life but there's a there's a truth running through them a rich seam of truth and that's what makes them really work and i think the best performances in doctor who have that as well tobias well you wouldn't meet tobias vaughan in a shop but i utterly believe kevin stoney uh even though it's a sort of heightened performance um now this is martin ball who was on who he was mr sitcom uh i was pleased to see him turn up in this because and he was he was in a sitcom called mum with stephanie cole not the mum that we have now this is a mum that everyone's forgotten because i think the gag was that she was quite forgetful and a bit you know, uh, and I think, and I think people said, "Are you taking the Mickey out of senile dementia?" And people went, "Oh, maybe we are. Let's let's quietly file away that sitcom." But he he was in a couple of other. He was in in one set in a classroom as well. Was that the? Doesn't matter. 
you can look it up. And Jessica Gunning here has gone on to do loads. It's not a massive part for her, is it? But she's in Fortitude, which I mentioned in a previous one of these whilst forgetting the name of it. Oh, yeah, in Turn Left, because Chipo Chung is in Fortitude as well. But I couldn't remember what Fortitude was called when I was doing Turn Left, I don't think. Um, but and she's uh, but she's been in in quite a few other things as well. Um, and she doesn't last long in this, but she's a really good actor. Uh, um, and again, a sign of well, both her and Martin Ball, but two very good signs because Martin Ball is an actor who's got a lot of pedigree, but hadn't been seen in enough recently. I don't think when this was on, and he doesn't do an awful lot here but it's nice to see him because he's one of those and he used to do quite a lot of adverts he's one of those sort of he's got a great sort of telly face and he's got a great sort of 80s 90s sitcom face if you like although he's a bit late to that um because jessica gunning is an actress with a great future ahead of her uh and i think the, the casting in doc 2 at this this period is is usually pretty bang on but not just uh not just of the of the big characters a lot of people with big futures uh turning up in small parts a lot of people with illustrious pasts turning up in quite small parts and you go wow we're lucky to have those people playing you know relatively modest roles i mean that's that's the industry nowadays it's a buyer's market um i didn't know the word adipose um it's a great name for a monster isn't it but it is a it is a it is a fat deposit isn't it but I, I didn't know that word. And now, of course, whenever it's anywhere, I uh, I, th I, I think it go, oh, well, I learned that word from Doc 2 and I must have seen it before. Why are there no pictures in those picture frames on the stairs? Is, is that a fashion thing? Um, she's got, a, she's very purple, isn't she? She's got purple clothes, purple wallpaper and purple pictures because there's nothing in her picture frames. How bizarre. Oh, that must be a thing. That's not a mistake. That must be a, a design choice that some people have picture frames without pictures in. Well, I never. I've learnt something new from Doctor Who. Oh, God, I've got to be choosing favourite things because uh, Emily Cook will have chosen her favourite things. Isn't that nice that Emily uh, has done this? Because she's very, very busy um, making people... Oh, dear. Poor old Jessica Gunning's just been... Uh, Killed by the cute adipose. I love the adipose tooth. That is, that is a great touch in the design. And I remember quite a lot was made of this at the time was because I, hadn't, I think some special effects people who worked on the Lord of the Rings, the New Zealand lot, had uh, had 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 helped out or been responsible for the some of the group shots with the adipose where we see lots of them. Um, uh, and of course, anything associated with a big film franchise that g gives Doctor a bit of credibility, even though this is the biggest show on telly at the time, still going, I need to get my credibility from elsewhere uh, or by being mean about things that aren't it. And they're both totally the wrong way of of appreciating something. Uh, and the, these two security guys, is, is one of them... Is one of them a guy called Rory who does quite a few of those bits? I'm not so good on... Uh, I'm not so good. That's the other thing that's going to be difficult for me on these new who's. I watched these as a, you know, as a viewer, as a as a fan. As but but you know, when I saw it 
the same time as everybody else. Whereas the old stuff, I had quite an empty childhood that I filled with scouring through minutiae. So there's various things I've picked up over the years that I can hopefully lob into the commentaries. This, I'm, you know, why why is anything I've got to say anything any more interesting than anybody else's? Uh, that's not a great advertise, advertisement for the thing you're listening to. I'm sorry about that. Um, but I'll try and be good. Um, and I mean, I haven't even mentioned David Tennant and Catherine Tate. Oh, this is Jonathan Stratt, who was a baddie in EastEnders when Den was in EastEnders. He was, Jonathan Stratt was the, his kind of conduit to the mob um, who were played by Pamela Salem and I think Pamela Salem. There was this sort of gangster storyline that Dirty Den, that's what ended up doing for Dirty Den. And I think and Jonathan Stratt, what was this character called? Can't remember. But but they had a bit of a meeting in that in that last episode of Dirty Den where it seems that Dirty Den had been, you know, killed by a silencer stowed in a bunch of flowers, but you didn't see it happen. And of course he came back years later. Um But yeah, Jonathan Stratt was was this sort of regular sort of heavy in EastEnders, but I think he is a he is a cabbie. He's got his own cab. Now, if you're an actor that has a taxi, it's quite handy because then when they hire you, they get the taxi as well. So they get somebody who can act and drive a taxi and, crucially, has a taxi. Um, so yeah, I think it's on your CV, a basic juggling conversational French. I have a taxi. Um, but he's a good actor. He's been in loads of stuff. Um, very authentic sort of... Uh, London heavy type of actor generally although I've seen him I've seen him do other, you know other stuff um yeah um and again a good actor with what three or four lines um you can do that these days because there's not much being made the economy with which Donna's life is told um is is really very clever and Jacqueline King does a brilliant job Catherine but Catherine Tate is amazing isn't she um and I and I think people worried that Donna would be annoying, and Donna is annoying, but every, but she's annoying because in a way that she's supposed to be. Some people are on telly, uh, they're annoying, and I think the people making it don't realise they're annoying. Donna's annoying when she's meant to be. Uh, Donna's mum is annoying when she's meant to be. Sylvia is annoying when she's meant to be. Um, oh, and this is sad. I mean, it's great to have Bernard Cribbins back who I mean is just immense value uh, I mean having him as a through line through this season uh, sprinkled a little bit of extra magic on it not just because of how good he is and he's amazing but because he's Bernard Cribbins and again I think Bernard Cribbins was still doing stuff still very very busy there's no way that Doctor Who rescued him in any way Cribbins was about, and he he'd had a run in curry, hadn't he? And he and and he was still used and still a national treasure. But the fact that Doctor Who found a place for him, a tiny little place in uh, in, uh, in in a Christmas special, one scene cameo, but then tragedy created a gap, um, which I'll talk about. These scenes were filmed with Howard Atfield, who played uh, Donna's dad in uh, the Runaway Bride, but he was poorly. Uh, and eventually sadly passed away but before he passed away I think they realized that they because he was ill with cancer but then I think he broke his leg so he filmed these scenes but then it became obvious that he wasn't going to make it he wasn't going to be able to see the season through 
Um, not that he necessarily died, but because he'd broken his leg as well. So I think the the difficult decision was made to not recast, but to change the character. Uh, and I think it was Phil Collinson, who lives not far from me, actually, um, who said, well, why don't we bring Bernard Cribbins back? And then, of course, Russell could work it in in a clever way later to say why Wilf's the guy, you know, selling the newspapers. But it meant that, that that one clever bit of casting in a cameo for Bernard Cribbins suddenly meant that Cribbins could come back uh, and, and play a key role and end up actually getting billing on the opening titles in David Tennant's finale. And things like getting billing on opening titles is important to me. Uh, <laughs> I love that sort of thing. He he is so good. He, he brings something to a scene and then adds an extra hundred of them just by being him uh and this is a guy whose career has sustained through different act you know the 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 need for television and film and theater to have different acting styles different ways of performers expressing themselves and yet somehow what cribbins done has done has always been good he's brilliant in uh dalek's invasion earth 2150 ad and even my brother i remember going and watched that going bernard cribbins is really good in this and he really is he's great in that film and that's a certain sort of acting style you know comic stoogie comic comic hapless comic hero type of stuff and then here he comes and delicately sprinkles i mean i I think we knew he was going to be funny because he's Bernard Cribbins, but he's heartbreaking. He's so kind. And again, it's not just... He's, it's brilliantly written. Russell T. Davis is very good with character. But it's it's whatever essence of Cribbins is uh, that adds a little bit of extra magic. Um, and, and, and I think is a really key key part to the success of this season and it would have been interesting to see what Howard Atfield would have done because he was an actor you know of, 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 of a long career but a more modest career than Bernard Cribbins who you know got a that's a gorgeous shot of the Doctor alone in the TARDIS got a you know got a got a one-off part in a Doctor Who Christmas special and it would have been a great sort of coda to a long sort of steady career and uh and sadly, he, he became ill and passed away. Now, obviously, the real tragedy is that he became ill and passed away. But as an actor, you do sort of think, oh, you know, that's 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 the profession and the luck and all sorts of things all over. And I know in the great scheme of things, dying is, is much more of a tragedy than not having a semi-regular role in Doctor Who. I know, but there's also, but, but there is that, additional thing to it and yet out of that that sadness we we you know we had the the wonderful thing of 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 getting cribbins and that's the show adapting and still managing to come up with you know brilliance in adversity uh i haven't even mentioned david tennant who uh i mean is just so good and 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 i like this sort of the fact that they haven't met yet and they're both investigating this uh th this this mystery um 
you know, which is a very, it's a very nicely doc, Doctor Who has always been in the same way that in the 70s, you know, pompous government ministers were a sort of shorthand for, you know, all that is wrong with the world. Big corporations with sharp suited people with security guards are not good news in 21st century Doctor Who. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with with the money makers being the bad guys. Um, but also, you know, the, 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 this it's Doctor Who taking in a, 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 an everyday concern, which is a great thing of Doctor Who to do, uh, which is, you know, the, and as somebody that has been on all of the diets, uh, and I have some friends, I've had some people in my life who've been quite very heavy on me to lose weight and other friends who've pulled in the other direction and gone you know you shouldn't be being you know told to lose weight in quite the way that you are and that's not very healthy for you either it's a big it's a big modern day concern and it's worse for women um and and the sort of stories that doc two should be telling about you know weight loss pills becoming you know the key to taking over the world is i like to think it's the sort of thing barry letts would have been doing Alexa, volume four. I just want to hear the dialogue a bit. Uh, oh, yes. And so, and and wouldn't this character, I know, have have sort of been this, the, the, the journalist, have been the, the, the sort of companion had not Donna. It did amuse me when, because it was going to be a companion called Penny, wasn't there? Um, um, and that's, that's a nice, that's a nice trick bit of storyteller there we we think this character has been introduced but we think that it's donna that they're following but actually this annoying journalist uh uh does us a favor in in fact of drawing the fire uh oh and we have the uh we have the first mention of the bees disappearing around this time don't we i seem to recall that happens on the roof it's a nice little mystery to see through um you know the Do Doctor Who rewarding the viewers that come back week in week out, but what, not with anything so impenetrable that it would alienate the uh, uh, the 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 casual viewer. I think they always pitch that sort of stuff perfectly, um, uh, and I was talking about something else and I lost track. Never mind. Well, I do mind. Um, I think she pitches this very well, uh, uh, Sarah Lancashire. What was I talking about when I interrupted myself? I was talking about Barry Letts. I was talking about the adipose and the slimming pills. Spark of life. Um, oh, that's what I was going to talk about. Russell T. Davis did an interview in Doctor Who magazine and said... And there's no way Donna would ever become a companion. She's too bolshy. She's too combative. That would never work. Uh, and then when it was announced, I saw people go, well, I go, he lied. He he lied. He said that in a magazine. What a liar. Because people who are predisposed not to, to like something. I, I always think if you have to make something up or mischaracterize something to prove your point, uh, it's saying it's saying you're not actually too sure of your point. 
uh, and that you you perhaps don't necessarily believe what you say because obviously he's if he doesn't want people to know that Catherine Tate's going to be the next companion, he's not going to say in an interview, yes, I'd love her to be a companion because he wants to misdirect people. That's what clever producers and writers do. Writing is misdirection. It's not lying. It's not being a dishonest knave. This is brilliant. This has got to be one of the things. Oh my god! The that they have this conversation and they can't see and they can't talk to each other and she goes oh and it's me she is a I, I was never massive on the Catherine Tate show and she seemed to come out of nowhere I, suddenly there's the Catherine Tate show I was going who's Catherine Tate and I watched it and whilst I, I very I thought she was brilliant at, at characterization I the 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 sort of comedy didn't necessarily particularly tickle my funny bone. It's a shame because I sort of wanted it to, but I, you could tell she was amazing and really good. And that's a really interesting thing, isn't it? It's because you know sometimes we go, oh that that thing's r rubbish because it doesn't make me laugh. As a as a as a comedian, uh, there's lots that doesn't necessarily make me laugh that I admire the craft of. Uh, Lee Evans doesn't massively make me laugh, but uh, I, I I think he's an amazing. Uh, performer and extremely talented it's just he doesn't particularly float my boat that's brilliant that they didn't they don't realize they're being watched by sarah lancashire and she then has the bit where she's mouthing what they do that is glorious i can imagine russell t davis writing that silent comedy bit with its then brilliant punchline uh and chortling to himself that's my image of Russell T. Davis. <laughs> it's is of just at his I don't at a typewriter as well. I don't know why, just hooting away. Uh, and and I think, and I think that's what is so important about his Doctor Who, is that it's fun. And I don't mean that in a frivol. I don't mean it's frivolous. You can be fun and serious. You can be fun and have death and people charging around with machine guns. You you don't think they're not good. It's it, the fun, the joie de vivre, the the effervescence of it doesn't undermine the danger. You can have flippancy, which which dilutes the drama and spoils it. But you, you're never not convinced of the danger. But there's a the the energy of of the drive and the humor of the adventure but also in the, the humanity and donna's a genius creation because she is annoying she is selfish um she is ignorant in many ways somebody who you know misses so much that's going on misses all the alien invasions because she's so thinking about herself the fact that I love the way Sarah Lancashire walks in her high heels as well. It's brilliant. Um, the the I think why I like Russell T Davis's stuff, and I'm not saying, and and I think I think there's a uh, I'm not going to apologise. Um, I don't know Russell T Davis. I've met him a couple of times. He did my interview thing. I'm not sucking up to anybody. I like this and I'm not apologising for it. I like his writing. I think what he did with Doctor Who is amazing. And I think history backs me up on that. But why it is so good, apart from all of the other obvious stuff, is that I think he is better 
than than we often allow ourselves to be. I I I I I I've written a lot of comedy and a lot of sketches, and and somebody like Donna, who is the sort of person so often sort of portrayed, I think, by people who think they're doing a a a good thing by going, oh, you know, it's 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 people who are selfish and all caught up with themselves that are the reason that we have a Tory government or this or that or whatever it is you choose to not like, you know, and 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 I think. I, I think our fellow citizens, and this has happened with the, the Brexit thing, I was I was a Remainer, but I think the way that um, Brexiteers have been characterised by people of my political bent uh, is, is, is dismissive and patronising and, and perhaps one of the reasons that for the schisms in the first place. I think we have to be very careful uh, uh, and it would be easy to write Donna as this ignorant, selfish, uneducated um, person who just wants a Saturday night and uh, Saturday night out on a holiday. Well, people are allowed to just want a Saturday night out on a holiday and not be politically engaged, and shouldn't necessarily be dismissed because of that. And and and, and but what's more, even more important than that is that instead of writing her having those characteristics and encouraging us to sneer at her, um, he celebrates her and he says, in spite of having all those things, if you sat next to her on a bus, you might hate her. Politically, you might object to her and her lack of engagement. But she is a human being with all the potential for goodness of any human being. She may not be intellectual but she's capable of great intuition and uh intelligence uh, 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 uh and and she may be selfish and thoughtless but she's also very brave and when push comes to shove uh she does the right thing and has depths that she perhaps doesn't allow herself to have he and i and i and I think that's there's a real decency there, in in, in that 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 is quite sophisticated, and I, and I perhaps haven't articulated as as well as I'd like because when one is talking out loud, uh, one is aware that uh, a, a sentence out of place can get leapt upon and mischaracterized, and it's entirely my point that if your argument is one in good faith, I think, I I I think I. I think to mischaracterize somebody to prove your point is 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 lazy and disingenuous. And what bad what bad guys do? Bad guys with lipstick and glasses and high heels and businesses selling fat pills. Um, so I th I I think this this conjoining of the Doctor and Donna. Because my favorite bit about the Runaway Bride was actually you know. The, 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 was about the first 20 minutes I think that and I was going oh, I want I want definitely want more of these two doing their sort of knockabout bit and then we have a whole season of it and she's a and yes I knew she was a good comedy 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 characterization but there's a there's there's so much emotional truth as well she's more than a funny turn uh but she is a funny turn um, Tenant's hair is great, isn't it?
um and i've got to start thinking about the things that i i will be choosing as well um i'll definitely be choosing the silent comedy scene i will definitely be choosing sarah lancashire uh What does happen when you hold two identical sonic devices together, Doctor? <laughs> and I love, I love, I love that the Doctor. I love it when the Doctor does something clever, but not because he goes. Uh, uh, I think you'll find on the planet Gallifrey we know how these things are done. You stupid humans! It's more. Uh, uh, you know, he does something crazy and usually finds a way. Um, uh, <laughs> I do like the Russell. Although Russell T Davis can be very is very kind to people that many dramas would dismiss as awful, like Donna, who, uh, as as I rather inarticulately explained, he also sometimes because uh, uh, Martha's friend in uh, Smith and Jones, and now this annoying journalist, he 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 he's not averse to to if. To, to putting a character through the mill and actually being a bit mean to them. <laughs> and this is almost like, not only could you have been a companion, uh, but actually I'm going to put you through all of the indignities uh, that, a, that a traditional companion would have gone through and you still don't get to be the companion. Uh, <laughs> they do a lot of these two security guards, don't they? Um uh, he, he says and then then they get electrocuted and i've just killed them off uh oh, i should say that i should say that about more things uh, <laughs> uh J jim davidson does a lot doesn't he uh, sorry now, now i'm not wishing i'm, I'm wishing comedy c career electrocution rather than actual electrocution and death on the comedian jim davidson just because i think his comedy is quite mean uh it was uh, yes yes um yes i'm just gonna leave that there um and no and it's no i'm not going to i'm not going to go into that um i do and i like the doctor with his glasses as well i uh uh i always liked it when peter davison wore his glasses i've i've always coveted glasses myself i i i I've always fancied being able to, you know, taking them off because, well, yeah, I always, always wanted to sort of take them off to make a dramatic point, you know. A lot of the drama I watched when I was younger was of clever people taking off their glasses to say, you mean, uh, and, 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 I, <laughs> and I think, I think uh, Tennant uses his glasses very, very well. Um, and it's just a little thing because when I, you know, when I was younger, even the wearing of glasses could could get you mocked for being you know specky or brainy or whatever because because that was an insult where i came from uh and although i didn't wear glasses uh, you know i knew people who did who used to get loads of stick for it so again doctor who wearing glasses just says to the kids at school who were wearing glasses yeah you you may wear glasses and worry about what that does to you but look the best hero in the history of time and space wears glasses too and he's doing all right he slash she now but this was not a thing then uh um 
And Sylvia, Sylvia is a very important part of this season as well. And isn't that a glorious story that uh, Jacqueline King was, you know, hired for one episode and comes back and does a lot. And her her relationship with Donna is great because it's it's complicated. It's a it's a really complex dynamic that again is is told with many many different shades uh it's not just the uh off you know awful mother daughter thing they 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 have a they have a complex and three-dimensional relationship the adipose is a great monster this idea that your own body fat uh <laughs> and that they manifest into i think i think the tooth I think the adipose tooth is going to be one of my favourite things. And isn't that great, having it dive through a cat flap? Something like a cat flap in Doctor Who is good. There's a cat flap in Rose as well, isn't there? It's just, it's, you know, Yeti on your loo in Tooting Beck, Yeti claw through your cat flap. Um, and also, they'd never, they hadn't been quite, they're quite tribbly, aren't they? There hadn't been sort of small, cute monsters in Doctor Who that much look at these these this is great uh so this is it's also a different it allows for a different visual because of course in in a series where the monsters cannot either be you know robots of a certain shape or or uh you know often people in suits with you know blue or green makeup and a you know a bit of a you know a fin or a tentacle or whatever these these sort of funny little milk colored snaggle toothed uh you know shaved tribbles if you like uh, being desperately, desperately cute uh, is 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 you know a fresh way of doing menace uh, to make you know the stories of alien invasion, which is you know things from out there trying to come here is 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 a, is you know is is a story that has to keep being told in different ways. Otherwise, Doctor Who would get very stale. I always think Martin Ball isn't. He's quite. He's very thin. So uh, uh, he's. He, uh, although it's nice to see him. I. Uh, 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 yeah. He's. Uh, but I think that might be. I think I might have got a blind alley in these because he's been on the slimming pills, isn't it? Stop talking, Toby. I can't. I have to keep talking. So sometimes I'll just say things, and as soon as I've said them, I'll regret them. That's what life is. Uh. Uh. Nice lighting. I like the I like the, the the green light on their faces from the from the whatever that is that they're doing. Uh, there's a tenant does brilliant urgency, and so of course, oh, I love that. That's the jaw shot, isn't it? That's the when you when you pull focus back and pull it. It's a it's a camera trick. You'll know, and if you don't, it doesn't matter. Um, that that makes the that makes the. Uh, the background widened while the characters stay in this. Well, it looks like it's zooming in on the characters, but the background's getting bigger. Um, beautiful moment. Lovely. Um, oh, and of course, they all survive, which is nice. Um, everybody lives apart from the people who've died earlier on, like Jessica Gunning. Um, oh, and... Uh, and... Uh, Spoiler alert, Miss Foster ain't going to make it out of here alive, but she does get a rare thing in Doctor Who, which is a slightly comedy death. But um, we'll get to that when we see it. But 
the doctor being the doctor being sort of all high energy and octane of course donna then the, then just proffers the, the 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 little neck chain thing silently and uh, as a tonic to his uh uh high high energy output which is which is great their dynamic is very very well judged this is nice uh oh, that's great god we used to take that sort of things for granted but look at it it's a it's a flying saucer over current day earth um <laughs> well, this is it because he's looking in totally the opposite direction that is such a beautiful gag i love the adipose <laughs> uh, that's a great gag from wilf um, <laughs> um but you know, this is what I wanted Doctor Who to be when I was younger, you know. And, and imagined a lot of it was from the Target books with, you know, the Pertwee era. You know, of Earth being invaded and 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 and, uh, and, and us being imperiled. Uh, that's, a, and that's a great, mad image. Lots of tiny little things. Uh... <laughs> And she's yeah, she's a she's called, she's called Miss Foster, isn't she? She's foster parent. Um, she yeah, she she knows exactly how to pitch this Sarah Lancashire. Uh, and I was it's funny. It's one of the things that I worried about when Doctor Who came back that we sort of bred out of our actors in our in in te as television had pushed more towards realism that that we'd lose actors. Who, who knew how to, to do Doctor Who, which I'm not saying isn't realistic, but there's a certain heightened quality about the realism. I think I've said this before. Um, that the truth has to be there, but it is but it is not naturalistic and mumbled and that sort of thing in the way that you would do certain other types of drama. <clears throat> and I worried because of the proliferation of, of, of soaps again, and I'd mischaracterise soaps really because soaps can stand... Uh, as I say, that what I talked about earlier, um, but our, it was a concern for me that perhaps our our modern day actors had lost the knack to give the kinds of performance. I love that. The I love that. The kind of performance that uh, that was required, and I was totally wrong. Modern Doctor Who has so many good actors knowing exactly what to give it. And I think that's exemplified by Sarah Lancashire, who, my goodness, uh, I mean, aside from being great in Coronation Street, Happy Valley, which she's done since, she is so good in. She's really one of our, our finest. Um, and, it, and, it, and it's great that, you know, Doctor Who, when, when, when plucking its talent, knew, knew very well what sort of actors to choose. And, and, and it adds to the credibility that all of, you know, all of these fine modern actors have gone into the show and and known how to judge it and oh the uh yeah the <laughs> i think if that had been done in season 17 people who didn't like season 17 would be apoplectic with rage because she doesn't drop straight away she gets a comedy look uh it is a bit of a wily coyote man. again russell t davis hooting away over his Manual typewriter that I'm just, I swear he <laughs> wrote his Doctor Who on. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, see, he... <laughs> I feel so... I don't know why we're supposed to... Because she's an investigative journalist and she actually does her job quite well, but for some reason, he's decided to pick on her. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a bit of a mean streak to this most human of writers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but of course, what the, the truth of that comedy death is that poor old Miss Foster will have made you know made made for quite a grim. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the jokes in this are so good. Because it's genuinely funny, but it's not stupid. Because it all comes from... It's easy to be funny. It's hard to be the right kind of funny. You can be funny by, you know, farting or 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 saying a swear word at an inappropriate moment. It's easy to get a sort of... It, it is actually quite easy to get a, a, a laugh. But to get the right sort of laugh, to earn your laugh, and, and to make it sort of richer... Is, is to make it believable and make it come from character. And, of course, what's brilliant here is that it runs hand-in-hand hand with real human sadness. You know, there's high comedy uh, and and desperate melancholy. And, of course, comedy and tragedy go hand-in-hand. Hand. And and in this, this period of Doctor Who, you know, all things like loneliness and sadness and absence and death... You know, Doctor Who is about uh, death and laughter. Yeah. Murder and slapstick. <laughs> He's just given this really tearful speech and David Tennant is such a good an actor. I want a mate you want to mate. <laughs> Which is done really well. I'm I'm sorry if, if the comedy of... Uh, Catherine Data's Donna does not float your boat. It absolutely floats mine. And I think it's perfectly judged. And I think it's great fun. Uh, I like these two people. Flaws and all. Um, and <laughs> Tennant is very... Because it's it must be quite difficult to pitch if you're the leading man in a show and then your sidekick comes in and is this huge force of personality who is a really gifted and quite well-known comedy performer that takes a lot of generosity as a leading man and he you know and he stands back and he knows what he knows just how to do it i think it's a, a thrilling combination and uh and to his credit as well i i love david tennant on and off screen i think i think he's a great ambassador for doctor who and a great doctor who um and this moment i remember was what you call an omg moment or if you're a grown-up a wtf rose is back and and that, that lovely piece of rosy music and you're going and i did i know at the time i think there'd been rumors but there'd always been rumors once you've been in you know there's always rumors and the fact that she disappears you go oh hang on what's what's that is that a ghost is that my imagination what it's not as straightforward as she's back then but she is back that was billy piper as rose uh 
But, you know, the papers had always been, oh, Billy Piper Rose is coming back. You go, yeah, 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 whatever. Now she's back. And you go, well, this is going to pay off throughout the season. So that's, again, a sort of seed for, oh, okay, where's where's this going? Um, oh, these were such happy times. I mean, they were happy times for me professionally. This is when my, my love of Doctor Who the love that dare not speak its name i said its name out loud and and it did me a lot of good so i'm grateful to it changed my life um saved my life as a kid changed my life as an adult and as a professional um and oh that i just think that's so beautiful and he does that funny little whistle doesn't he uh and it's and it's just oh it's oh, it really it's really I love it. I think it's really moving, and I th everybody does that. So she waving so keenly, and the doctor behind her, just you know, a, a quieter but more solid presence. He know, not many actors could dance and whistle in joy and make it seem real. Verna Cribbins can. Uh, I said, wow, I, uh, that, I, I I'm not given to great emotion, but this was quite a time of upheaval in my life. Uh, and Doctor Who came good for me, as it always does, uh, and made me extremely happy and gave me a bit of success. Um, and I, do, I'm, I don't feel I'm a necessarily particularly lucky person, uh, and I, and yet I felt the, I've, yeah, I when I look at this, I feel the, the world the world does remind you actually sometimes that it can be good uh and that and that you know doctor who has made a lot of my dreams come true in a, in a in a way or 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 it's just been there and i'm sure it has for you i mean i'm i'm talking about my stuff and i hope it doesn't sound like i'm boasting because i'm talking about a, prof a professional success but that's because that's what my 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 work is in the, in in that but I, but i'm not talking of it in that sense i'm talking of in, in the sense that it 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 was there to me as a as an important backdrop as i was negotiating an up and down life uh so what has emily cook chosen uh what are her five oh i've got to choose my five best bits sorry so i like the silent comedy scene. I like the adipose, and if I have to specify, their little snaggly tooth. <laughs> I like... I think Sarah Lancashire is absolutely brilliant. Pitches it perfectly. I like the reintroduction of Bernard Cribbins and, and the ramifications that that will have I mean I I, I sort of feel bad for choosing that because I could choose Cribbins in, for everything and every scene that he does because I think he's magic but I think the fact that I think I can call him for this one because you know this is where he was reintroduced and, and out of sad circumstances uh, and, and because of what it what it sort of led to um, and because you know, they made a a, a a triumph out of a disaster. And related to that, and I could go for the, to the cruel treatment of the journalist, uh, I could go for the fact that 
you know, it talks about an important issue, body image and the diet industry and all of those sorts of things, which I think is a real... Um, could I... Because that's not the sort of thing I, I normally go for, and I think it's a, it's an area I should be more in tune with, you know, what, what the driver of a story is and its, its relevance and what it says. But I think related to Bernard Cribbins, I can't invoke him without acknowledging and because i'm a credits kind of guy and uh, uh, you know i'm uh, uh, i'm unduly fixated upon credit order and where credits are done and all that sort of thing i think the fact that they gave a credit and a dedication to howard atfield who couldn't be in the episode because he passed away but was supposed to be in the episode and they'd had to make that difficult decision uh that they did a very unusual thing for Doctor Who. I know it's happened with, with Barry Letts on Waters of Mars, but to, to give to give the actor a dedication uh, at the end of the episode in the credits, um, even though the credits moved far too fast, and I know that's nobody's fault. It was an edict from on high, and they wanted to credit as many people as possible. Just make credits longer, BBC, public service broadcaster. You don't need to behave like a commercial ticker tape. Anyway... That's not the fault of the production team. The fact that they gave Howard Atfield uh, a dedication on the closing credits, I think, is a touch of class and shows that, you know, this isn't just an industry churning out product. Uh, it's one populated by people who like each other and care about each other and appreciate uh, them and what they do. So what has Emily Cook chosen as her five best bits? Now for the purpose of this podcast I've been thinking long and hard about partners in crime which is not an arduous task in the slightest but I have been taking it very seriously um, considering what my five best bits of this brilliant episode would be but I've narrowed it down and my first best bit is actually the opening titles might seem like a bit of an odd choice but I vividly remember watching the opening title sequence to this episode and it's revamped, the, the music is slightly pacier, slightly more exciting and I think this was actually introduced in the preceding episode in the Christmas special Voyage of the Damned but I vividly remember uh, watching Partners in Crime and seeing this revamped opening title sequence and just being very excited by it and Doctor Who had always been very exciting to me but this was kind of saying yes Doctor Who is back but it's going to be even more exciting than ever um, and and it was so for that reason um, my first best bit is the opening title sequence um, well that's one nil to Emily I guess because I didn't choose that so that's one that she's chosen that I haven't it's just a sign of her to say for this frivolous and silly thing from me somebody she's met about three times how she's thought long and hard about uh doing it uh again and i don't say this to be obsequious um uh, but i think she's i think she is an example to us all the sheer enthusiasm um and hard work that she puts into her dedication to doctor who um i think is admirable and it's a riposte to some of the things that middle-aged people like me sometimes think about younger people. Um, uh, yeah, thanks for thinking long and hard, Emily, and for choosing the opening title sequence. 
Um, my second best bit is slightly less specific, a little bit more general to, not just to the episode, but to this whole era I suppose, and that is the dynamic of Donna and her family. I love the fact that we get to know her mother Sylvia and we get to know her grandfather Wilf and just see how the three of them interact and and that's something um, that we all know Russell does, did in Doctor Who brilliantly, um, was the way that he wrote families and the way that he presented family life and we get to see this fairly normal family um, get mixed up in the, the very exciting world of Doctor Who and, and I just love that about the whole episode really, so that's my second best bit. Yeah, I don't think I I got anywhere near that, did I? Uh, no, I, I, don't, I, I think I talked about it. And I and I think I tied myself in knots because as soon as I said Brexit, I knew I might be in trouble. <laughs> but I th I think it's simply that I think sometimes um, ordinary people, and I think this is happening more and more, ordinary people who I th I think sometimes people in their preoccupations feel that they aren't represented by the arts world in general and and I th and I think that, that there is an element of and you know I I constantly flirt with being in danger of doing it myself of being in a sort of condescending middle class bubble and that's why I think Russell is so good is that he's very much part of the arts world and the elite in terms of you know television and and where he is within the industry but he never loses his compassion uh, 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 and his decency in terms of the way that he, he portrays people. And often people, I think, that are ill-served um, and sometimes patronised. Uh, and I don't think he ever does that. Um, and in fact, I think he celebrates people. I think that's what I was trying to say. And then I said Brexit and opened up a whole can of worms for myself where I was second-guessing myself and making sure I didn't say anything where anybody could yell at me. Um, I was a Remainer myself, uh, but I don't hate people that voted Brexit. Is that okay? Can I? Can you do that in this day and age? Well, I can. My third best bit, one of the best scenes in Doctor Who ever, surely, is the scene where the Doctor and Donna meet again for for the first time in the episode, and they'd spent the whole episode up until this point just very slightly missing one another we as the audience see them just kind of cross paths but not quite meet and you're just willing to see that moment where they are reunited and boy does it deliver That's such an exciting scene where where they're both kind of seeing each other through the glass and then miming and oh it's just comedy gold and it's an absolute highlight of the episode for me and just so so kind of typical of what the Doctor and Donna's relationship is, which is just kind of fun, and they have this, they have this incredible bond, and I just think that scene is utterly delightful. It never fails to make me smile on a dull day. Me too. So that's two one because we finally got one that we both did. So hurrah! And I mean, I I can't think that as soon as that scene came up, I thought there's no way that neither of us that that that, that we're, we're not both going to choose this. It's absolutely brilliant. Ah. My fourth favourite bit is a line of dialogue. Um, again, hard to pick because the dialogue is just brilliant throughout. But the the line I'm selecting is Planet of the Hats. 
I'm ready. That's obviously Donna, as you will know. That was not an impression of Donna. I can't do impressions. I'm not even going to pretend that I can try. But um, Planet of the Hats, I'm ready. I love that line because it just conveys Donna's enthusiasm for travelling with the Doctor. The fact that often when we meet a companion, they kind of get thrown into it, um, as Donna did in The Runaway Bride. And they're not quite ready, they're not packed and prepared to go, but Donna on this occasion is, and she's packed everything, including her hat box. And I particularly like that because I'm a fan of hats myself, I'm a hat lover, and if I were to travel with the Doctor, I would want to make sure that I had a box of hats ready for Planet of the Hats. Whether Planet of the Hats actually exists or not, who knows? Maybe that's something we'll see in a future episode. Uh, unfortunately, of course, I talk through these things, so I, I miss some prize lines. And I, I think in some of the classic ones I've done where I know the lines better because I've watched them more because they're older, so I've had more time to watch them. Uh, so I sort of missed the Planet of the Hats. So I'm, I'm pleased Emily has flagged it up because it's a glorious moment that I kind of, yeah, I was talking about something else. It's in the nature of these things. Dash! And ah, so, well, I'm not going to win, am I? Uh, one out of four, even if I get this one. Um, my final favourite bit from the episode, um, I have saved the best to last, because I do remember the impact that this moment had on me. Um, and if you haven't guessed it already, it is the moment at the very end of the episode that we see this blonde turn round and oh my goodness it's Rose Tyler. Um, I just remember being completely surprised by that. I had no clue that it was going to happen. I was a big big fan of Rose and um, she was the first companion that I really got to know in Doctor Who and I was heartbroken when she left and since the moment that she left I'd been willing her to come back and couldn't quite believe that it was happening. But that moment where she turns around it's just so brilliantly played and I just remember thinking this is going to be an exciting series and and it was and it all kicked off brilliantly with that episode Partners in Crime so that is why I love it, five specific reasons why I love it but just in general it's just a cracking episode so I think I might actually go and watch it again because I've inspired myself to do so and I hope I've inspired you to as well, go and watch Partners in Crime, it'll brighten your day. Well, Emily, you've brightened uh, my day, and not for the first time. Uh, if you've not availed yourself of Emily's Twitter feed, please do, especially during lockdown, because as I'm recording this, she's planning a whole load of other things to bring people together and to celebrate Doctor Who, and she does it in a totally selfless manner. Uh, you know, the future, if, if, Doctor, if the future of Doctor Who is in the hands of its fans, which it so often is, it's in very safe hands. Um, thanks to Emily. Um, I really appreciate that. An interest of Rose. I mean, that was the most when I watched it. That was the most exciting thing ever. I didn't pick it then. Um, I think partially because a uh, you know a major plot twist that's big at the time. Obviously, if you go back and keep watching something, the the impact of that that is diminished because we know it. It's no longer a surprise. But the fact that I could choose five things that weren't that uh, is a sign of of just how good that episode is and how it's worth a revisit and how perhaps I should perhaps watch in some of my rewatches opening episodes that I sometimes I quite often do skip and I don't know why it's a hangover from Buffy I think where I got it into my head 
that, that Buffy's opening episode season openers were always a bit wobbly and that you got on with business as usual if you know when you that the better episodes came came a bit further in so I would often yeah um, they were often anomalous in Buffy and I think that's, that's maybe hung over in there I don't know why it's a weird prejudice I have whereas I don't think I dislike them I just go just a bit Ugh. and actually that was much more than Ugh. that was absolutely cracking and I'd, I'd sort of like to watch it again without having to talk all the way through it uh, so I might do that I might join Emily um, and 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 just watch it again for pleasure so thanks for watching this i hope it's been all right for you uh, bernard my dog i couldn't disturb him could i bernard the dog <sighs> well thanks for that do join me for another one thanks to emily cook please keep supporting these podcasts and uh, doing all the nice things you do to be nice to people that was really trite I think what I'll do is instead is I'll wave to the sky and go and do a little dance. That's how to end an episode. See, I can't do it. That's Cribbins is good. Ta-ta. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which was presented by me, Toby Haydoke, with my special guest, Emily Cook who is on Twitter as Emily underscore Rosina. Special thanks to this episode's featured patrons, who are Ruben Herfendahl, Pascal Gielke, Sidney Wilson, John Williams, Rich Wiggins, Kevin West, Peter Ware, Alistair Wallace, Gary Wales, John Turner, Sidney Trote, Paul Taylor Greaves, Adam Stone, David Spencer, Richard Smith, Paul Shields, Jim Sangster, Tom Silinski, Gavin Rymill, Quadridors, Thomas Payne, and Ken Patterson. The music was by Dave Gates, and the podcast artwork by Dylan Patterson. You can support these podcasts at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. There are exclusive and advanced releases there, or you can do a one-off payment at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. My website is www.tobyhaydoke.com. There's goodies there as well. And I have a YouTube channel. I'd love it if you could subscribe to that. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day.